This is Tara Johnson with Women Own Wealth episode nine here with Gauri from Stonebridge Capital Advisors. She is a certified financial analyst, CFA. Uh, she works with individual clients as well as helping manage portfolios and uh, actually one of the mutual funds over at Stonebridge Capital Advisors as well. So here with me, Gauri, and we are just going to go into a couple questions about um, being a woman in a, a man's world. And Gori, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm yeah. really excited to be here. Um, in terms of who I am and what I do, I am an investment portfolio manager, as you mentioned, at Stonebridge Capital Advisors. And so what that means is I work very closely with my clients to construct and develop customized investment portfolios. And my clients range from individuals, families, institutions, including nonprofits, and also advisors as well. And we really work together to meet their unique goals and objectives to meet their long-term financial needs. Um, at Stonebridge, my other responsibilities include working with the rest of the investment teams to really identify attractive investment opportunities for our client portfolios. And since we manage both equities and fixed income, it's important that we stay on top of the markets as well as the economy. And finally, my last hat that I wear at Stonebridge, I'm actually the director of analytics. So I create tools and data sets to help execute and conduct portfolio management, trading, and investment research at Stonebridge. Very neat. Yeah, I didn't know that fun. last one. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So um, from a work standpoint, that's all wonderful. So now tell me a little about personally, yep. you know, a little bit more about you and um, your family and, you know, where you went to school and all of that good stuff. Yeah. So my background, um, well, let me start here. The most important part, I am married to a very mm -hmm. wonderful husband and we just got married about two years ago. So it's it's been fun. Um, and then my family actually is originally from India, but my parents are also here in Plymouth. And in terms of where I went to school, I've been in Minnesota since I've been 12 years old, went to college at the University of Minnesota, and I actually went to school for um, mechanical engineering and biomed, and I did a minor in French, so completely, you know, different than... But still a very um, smart major. <laughs> but very Just. different than finance. Um, but yeah, in terms of what I enjoy doing is I, outside of work, I love to be involved in the community. I'm actually a board member um, for the Girls on the Run program, oh, um, which is a really great program. They focus on promoting confidence within young girls. And the end goal of um, each semester when they set up the program is that they train the girls to run a 5K. But through the process, they teach the girls how to build connections and relationships and build their confidence. So oh, it's cool. really a great cause. Um, and then outside of, I would say, being involved in the community, I have a strong passion for traveling. 
And I was lucky enough about five years ago um, to take a kind of a leave of absence from work. And I traveled the world. I backpacked across for nine months. I went from Iceland to East Timor. Oh my Timor. gosh, that's really cool. Um, yeah, and during that time, I, I studied French in France. I hiked through the Himalayas and lived with some nomads. And I uh, taught English in East Timor. And it was just a phenomenal experience. No kidding. Did you do that by yourself? So I did um, kind of a combination. I did the entire trip on my own, but then I had some friends meet me in Switzerland and Turkey. And since my family's from India, yeah. um, I got, got to see my family there. And my husband now, he wasn't my husband at the time, um, he came and met me in India too. So he got to experience India oh, wow. and meet my family there, which was really fun. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really special. I didn't know that. Nice. Um, so moving back into, you know, more about being a CFA and mm -hmm. working for Stonebridge, um, tell me a little bit about your journey in becoming a CFA is now that I'm learning that you were, you know, an engineer type, yep. mechanical engineer, right, major. So how did you switch that into being a CFA and how did you find Stonebridge? So... Um Essentially, how I got into finance is that I happened to graduate in the prime of the financial um, recession. So essentially, I would go into interviews and companies would tell me on the spot that the position has been pulled. So oh, it was wow. just a very challenging time to be someone entering the job market and I just couldn't find a job. Right. And so I started to expand my scope outside of the engineering world, and I was lucky enough to get an opportunity at a local investment shop on their fixed income desk. And they were looking to hire someone for the quantitative analysis team, so someone who had a strong analytical technical background mm -hmm. um, and someone they believed who could learn the finance part on the job. Right. And so I started there, and I really enjoyed uh, being on the investment desk and, you know, studying the market, studying the economy. I really loved it. So how the CFA came into the picture is that I needed to learn more of the finance part of the mm -hmm. job. So I started taking the CFA level one. I luckily passed. Um, and then, Which, mind you, is a very hard yes, and difficult. It is, it is not, yes, yeah. it's not fun. But, yeah. um, you know, passed the level one. And then actually I took a break from the CFA and I decided to pursue my MBA instead with the focus in finance. So. I did that um, for about two, three years at night while I was working. And then after six years on the investment desk, that's when I took the time off, traveled the world, came back. Mm -hmm. And then I actually came back and started a position on the sales and marketing side for the investment firm. Okay. And after two years there, I um, received the opportunity from Stonebridge to become associate portfolio manager at Stonebridge. Nice. So while okay. at Stonebridge, I've completed my CFA level two, my CFA level three, and now I'm officially a portfolio manager. And congratulations. A, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. As of two years ago, the funny thing is I finished my CFA and I looked at my husband. And I'm like, let's get married. And so we got <laughs> right. married because I didn't have to study anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. We can actually focus on ourselves. Yeah. Right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Isn't that funny how that works out? Mm -hmm. So with that, uh, you know, now that you're a CFA and a portfolio manager, um, do you feel like you, I mean, and, and this podcast is, you know, really about 
women in the job field yeah. and um, it comes down to personal finance too. So, you know, being a woman in, in what I would consider a man's world, I mean, the investment world stereotypical is, you know, um, a whole bunch of older men, right? And yeah. so here, you know, you and I are in this, you know, uh, financial world of, of mostly men. So how does, uh, how has that affected you and have you uh, had to face any hurdles along the way uh, being a woman in this this world? Yeah, so I would say um, being in a man's world, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because of, as you mentioned, finance is definitely a male-dominated field. And being a woman, um, you can often feel isolated or lonely when you are the only one sitting at the table, especially initially. Uh, but I realized that if you can leverage your skills and you can really focus on developing that instead of focusing on quote unquote fitting into the environment right. Great and point. really focus on developing your expertise, then you can live, leverage the situation and really stand out. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. it is true that, you know, women, there's often preconceptions towards women and they're often underestimated. So, you know, if you can focus on what makes you special, what, you know, where your talents are really focused, that right. can help you push forward. Right. I really like that response. And I, I will say just even with financial planning too, mm -hmm. I feel like it, it took some time to feel confident enough to say, hey, I don't, I don't want to be a man in this yeah, world. Exactly. I want to be a woman because actually it brings so many positive things to the conversation especially when it comes to financial planning and personal finance as well, as far as my standpoint. But I can see for you too, it's just, you know, women think differently. Yep. And it's important that we have both exactly in the work field. And I'm, I'm learning every day how, you know, people respond differently to, and sometimes in good ways and sometimes in bads, mm -hmm. but then I can sometimes empathize with men too, who can't seem to get through in some areas, it's because yep. they just have a different mind. And so it, it's, I think, um, obviously, like you say, it, it presents some struggles, but at the same time, you know, it's nice to hear that you found the confidence to say, hey, these are my strengths and, and I'm going to kill it. Yep. And I do have to just say that the first time I met Gory, I had her in a meeting with one of my clients, and I think the gentleman was very surprised to see a woman come through the door, even though he was working with me. But I think, you know, he was mm -hmm. a little surprised. And then when he left, I was like, that was so cool. You had two ladies in this room, yep. just, you know, and I think yep. he left like, hey, I, I'm in good hands. These I chicks are taking, <laughs> these chicks are taking yep. care of me. Yep. And I talked to you after. I was like, how do you think that went? And it was just, you know, I just went back and told the guys, I'm like, hey, she had an answer for everything. She knew her stuff. It was really cool. <laughs> I was laughing. You. Yeah, it was great. Um, so also, uh, being a female and, you know, just uh, things that come along with being a female, have, you know, has anything along your journey affected, you know, your day-to-day -day life and day-to-day um, -day work? Yeah, so that's actually a very, been a very personal journey for me over these last um, six, nine months because... I would say there's nothing more personal to being a female than 
being pregnant or being a mother. And last year um, I was pregnant and I actually experienced very serious pregnancy complications and I lost my daughter at about six months. Um, and the feeling of giving birth to your daughter and not being able to take her home is one of the most devastating feelings that I ever experienced in my life. And the fact is, no one ever, um, no one ever prepares you on how to return to work or how to navigate that part of your life. You know, I think, luckily, it's been more of a conversation now that people are talking about motherhood and work, but I think this is still a gap yeah. that needs to be fulfilled. And I believe, you know, in society, unfortunately, talking about pregnancy loss and infant loss is kind of a taboo. And, you know, to be quite honest, right now, it is still very challenging for me to talk about, but I do, I've recognized the importance of speaking up so women can be there for each other and support each other. I mean, during, during going through the entire cycle, I was I was lucky that I'm a part of an organization that did give me the time to heal. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel that most companies aren't really structured to support females, working females, the way they need to be supported. And you can often feel lost or without the resources that you really need or want because you're really trying to navigate questions like, am I able to take a leave? If I am, how long do I take a leave for? You know, what are my options in terms of paid leave versus unpaid leave? Mm -hmm. And then once you're back at work, how do you refocus your mind and your body, because it is a physical experience right. too, right. back towards work? And then how do you converse about your experience with your coworkers and your clients? Mm -hmm. And so while I mentioned I was really lucky to have that support, um, but I feel that we need to make this more of a conversation in society, in the workplace, because if companies are really going to be inclusive in terms of being there for women and providing them with the support that they need, the right. conversation about pregnancy loss and infant, infancy loss like needs to be normalized. Right, right. Well, thank you for sharing. And you know, you and I have talked briefly about mm -hmm. this. Um, and sorry for your loss Thank you. again. Um, but I, I think it's great that you're sharing. I think a lot of women on the other side of this uh, podcast listening are um, have gone through something similar or know someone who has. Yeah. Um, whether at the stage of six months, which is you know heartbreaking, or earlier, which is still heartbreaking, mm -hmm. um, you're you're mourning a loss and. <clears throat> the expectation to go back to work and like you say from a physical standpoint and a, an emotional standpoint that's something just men don't deal with um they just they don't have to deal with that yeah um obviously your husband obviously yeah. was very affected by it but you know from a physical standpoint that was something that you went through yeah um and so i think it's great to talk about it and, and like say you're lucky enough to work for a company that under, was understanding yeah um and, and needed and was able to give you the time that you needed. Um, but yes, I think 
working in general and not even necessarily in a, a man's world of finance, but just working in general women. It's, it's something that uh, men don't have to deal with as much as, as women do. So mm-hmm. it's I, a good conversation. I especially feel for women who, you know, happen to go through a miscarriage during their first trimester because right, in, right now in society it's somewhat of a taboo if you share that before 12 right. weeks. And so when that happens, I know friends who literally have to go to work the next day. I feel like that's a very challenging yes, yeah. position to be put in. Right. And I by no means um, mean to imply that women should talk about their loss or their pregnancy before they're comfortable to, right. about it. But if they do feel comfortable about it, it should be a welcomed conversation. I agree. I agree. Well, thanks for sharing. And um, I think, uh, like I said, hopefully, and I pretty much know that, people who are listening that have been affected somehow and so can relate in some sort of way mm-hmm. to how you're feeling. Um, so, you know, segueing a little bit away from, you know, being a, a different in the working world and, you know, just from a female standpoint, um, let's move on to just some of your successes that you've had. Obviously, you are a, a CFA portfolio manager, um, doing very well and have worked your way through um, a lot of stages with Stonebridge and other firms that you've been with. So, um, but that might not be what defines success to you. So what uh, do you define as success? So success to me, it's really about, you know, finding fulfillment in what you do and doing something that you like and doing it in a way that you feel proud of doing it. And success in general, you know, yes, I find it in a professional realm, but I mm-hmm. also find it, it's just as important to me in my personal life too. Yes, great point. And yeah. so when I'm talking about success professionally, I look to be challenged. I want to be excited about what I do, and I want to be fulfilled about what I do. And working for Stonebridge and, you know, creating investment solutions for my clients, it really does excite me because since... I'm able to help them solve their financial part of their lives. They can really focus on what they're passionate about right. and what gets them really excited. And especially when I'm working with my nonprofit clients, they're able to focus on their mission in bettering mm-hmm. our community, which right. feels really great. And you know, specifically the organization I work for, they actually have a community partnership program. And so we actually get to partner with local nonprofits, work very closely with them over a two-year span. And then we get so involved, it is beyond just the financial guidance. We start doing community events, we do packaging events, we get really involved, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Are there any that you can share with us that you work closely with that that you are really jacked up about or... Yeah, so um, last year we were involved with Matter. Okay. And we we actually were part of a packaging event. And since it was yeah. COVID, you have to, um, it, it so was a competition. So tell us a little bit about Matter. So Matter um, provides, like, packaging uh, in terms of food yeah. and supplies for people who are really in need globally okay. and locally. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we were a part of an event where we packaged some of these food packages for 
local um, oh, people neat. who needed food and sustenance at that point in time. So it was just Great. really fun to be yeah. involved in that process. So you're on the financial side, managing their portfolio and making sure that they can focus on, you know, pursuing their mission. Mm-hmm. And then also being a part of that yep. too, which is neat. Yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. So it's, Well, that's great. It's fun. Um, and then what I really love, as I mentioned before, is that I'm a board member for uh, yes. Girls on the Run program. So it feels really great that we are able to have skill sets that can help so many people and so many organizations. Right. So. Right. Well, and I, I can uh, relate to on the on the standpoint of, you know, you work with a client in the beginning and it, you know, you're getting to know them and before you know it, you're so engaged in their life yep. and their personal, you know, emotions and, and personal goals that, you know, it's almost like a friendship, you know, and you care so much about them that it's not even just the financial <laughs> It's, it goes beyond the financial. Obviously, that's your that's your goal, just to make sure that they're whole. Yeah. But it is so much more of, you know, what is their life mission? And for me, it's like, you know, what's their family dynamic and yep. mission and goals? And, you know, you're on a bigger scale, too, where it's what is this organization's? Yeah. I mean, they're touching all these lives across the globe. Exactly. So I think that's really cool. Um, so... Moving on from, you know, how do you define success? Obviously, you mentioned it's personal and financial that make what you believe to be success. But um, how do you define wealth success? Um, I would say, you know, like your personal wealth success. Mm -hmm. You know, I really see money as a tool to, as a way to fulfill my ambitions and my passions in life. And the fact is that money isn't going to bring you happiness at the end of the day, but what it does bring you is flexibility and options. Mm-hmm. And when you have flexibility and options, it really opens up doorways to help you know, fulfill what you're really looking to get out of. And so That's great. when I'm thinking about managing <clears throat> my own you know, investment portfolios and also for my clients, I'm really just looking to provide good, healthy, stable growth at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've talked about this in the past in our yeah. client meetings that we're not chasing you know, speculative assets like GameStop. We're not right. chasing esoteric assets like Bitcoin. We're looking to invest in good companies at the end of the day over the long term. Because the fact is, when I go to bed at night, I want to be able to sleep right. and not worry about the volatility in my portfolio or the volatility in the portfolio of my clients. Right. You know? So. Yeah, you wake up in the morning, it's like, okay, what is Bitcoin at this morning? You know, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people lived that life too, it's just saying, you know, what's it at this morning? Do I have to make any decisions? Or, you know, whether it's Bitcoin or, like you say, any other type yep. of individual holding. But, um, yeah, so well success, I like, you know, it, it provides the opportunity or it's used as a tool. Yeah. Right? Um, that's very neat. Okay, so transitioning on. So you've earned your CFA and what I would consider become a successful businesswoman. Um on the surface, things look great, right? But I, my guess is that there are some struggles and frustration. And we talked about, you know, being a woman and some of those struggles and frustrations. Is there anything else that just along, you know, your journey that you've that you've faced that you can talk about? Yeah, I would say that 
it's challenging um, when I was, you know, working full time studying for my CFA. It actually overlapped with part of my MBA as well. And so time management is really mm-hmm. difficult. You feel like there's just not enough hours in the day to get everything that you want done. And most of all, be there for the people that you want to be there for in terms of whether it's your partner right. or your, you know, your parents or your family or your friends. And so that that was very challenging to navigate that. But I also realized that the relationships that perse- persevered through yes. that difficult time came out that much stronger and you know I'm really appreciative to the people who provided me with love and support during that time because honestly my husband who wasn't my husband at the time Mm -hmm. he would spend Fridays and Saturday nights sitting next to me on the couch while I was studying you know he must have liked me because to give up his Friday and Saturday nights to do that yeah you know in your mid to late 20s yeah staying at home on uh or even in your 30s, it's like, yeah, staying at home, yes. is, that's a commitment. Yep. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, so, and we touch, touch on this a little bit. Um, like I say, just being a female in this world, has it helped or hurt you professionally? And I think that you answered that very um, uh, fluently and eloquently is just, you know, it. I think it has, um, I think you're at a point, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you're just at a point where, being a female, you're just comfortable yep. and not trying to be a man. You're not trying to be <laughs> you someone know? else. Yeah. You accept who you are yeah. and you know what you're good at. And mm-hmm. I think with females too, I feel like we're much more comfortable with being transparent, Yes, which works in our advantage. Because right. you know what you know and you know what you don't know. And if what you don't know, you figure it out. Yeah, or you ask questions. Exactly. Right. And I think that's a huge benefit is like like you're saying being transparent is if I don't know the answer I'm not going to try and pretend like I do exactly I'm going to find it mm-hmm. and I'll ask what I need to but I'm okay saying I don't have that answer right now and yeah. I'll get it to you and by god I'll, I'll do the work to do it yeah you know and you, yeah so I think that's that's a very good point um so uh what advice would you give to any other women or just people in general who are seeking uh credentials like their CFA or going back to school and doing an MBA. I mean, you talked about the time management and things along those lines, but are there any other tips that you can give people as they maybe are thinking about going back to school or, you know, life is busy. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, I don't think life is ever going to slow down for anyone. So what would you say? I would say that having that desire to learn and that curiosity to learn is the biggest element, mm-hmm. right? Regardless of how old you are, regardless of where you are in your career, regardless of what industry you're in, the desire to learn is going to be the the best gift you can give yourself in terms of growth. And I think, you know, having formal education or certifications like getting your MBA and your CFA are really great ways to learn but i also think that learning organically is just as effective you know whether it's reading publications or books or being part of a professional organization Mm -hmm. or you know as simply as just grabbing a coffee with someone else in the industry and having a discussion right so at the end of the day the i would say the best advice um is to just stay curious and figure out what fits your lifestyle i like that 
So with that, um, are there any good books that you have read recently that you would like to share or any, um, you know, I, I sometimes ask just other people in this industry, what is the first thing that you look at in your email? You know, if there's like mm-hmm. a, a daily email that you get from a certain um, yep. publisher, what, are there anything like that that you'd want to So I would say I'm share. signed up for um, the Wall Street Journal, kind of gives yep. a quick five-minute review every morning. So that's one of the first things that I read. Mm-hmm. I turn on Bloomberg every morning while I'm drinking my morning, I would say, I don't actually drink coffee, so my morning hot water, tea, yeah. or whatever. Um, There's not many people who don't drink coffee, yeah. I give you credit, <laughs> because, yeah, that. I'm about drinking until 11 a.m., but anyway. <laughs> and then The Economist, I love. The Economist, um, okay. Yeah, because in general, I love traveling, I love getting the global perspective mm-hmm. on things, so yeah. The Economist is one of my favorite publications nice. as well. What about, have you read any good books lately? I would say I started reading The Deficit Myth, because it's been such a popular oh, topic in terms of... Um, MMT and especially right now going through COVID and the government providing so much stimulus into the economy and you know people are questioning is debt going to be an issue over the long term and so it's interesting how the book talks about um, that if you are issuing debt in your country's currency yeah that you can you can take on additional debt as long as it's within reasonable parameters such as inflation isn't getting too high right and so not saying that's the final viewpoint but it's an interesting perspective right i'm sure it goes into a lot more detail than that but yeah that's a good read okay well that's good to know um and then lastly i just want to ask just to to loop in as i am you know a wealth advisor financial Mm -hmm. planner um what is financial planning mean to you and do you uh, do you personally being in this industry have a financial planner or do you um, are you like a do-it-yourself or on it because just because you have so much knowledge so I just am curious what does that mean to you financial planning? Um, financial planning means to me setting up it's actually it means to me knowing what your big picture looks like for yeah. you and your family and then the financial planning component of it helps guide you, guide the path towards re- meeting those goals and removing the obstacles in t- from a financial component. Right. Um, and I would also say that it's ever evolving, right? Yeah. Because your goals through life are going to change throughout. You're going to have short-term goals. You're going to have long-term goals. Right. I would say during my 20s, my short-term goals included paying off my student debt. Mm-hmm. It included um, buying a new car. But also my long-term goals included saving for retirement because as you've talked about in the past, if your company is giving you a match, you should take advantage of it, right. right? Right. And then going to my 30s, my short-term goals included how do you pay for a wedding? How do you buy a house? And then mm-hmm. my long-term goals still included retirement. Right. So when I think about financial planning, I really think it should be a consistent part of your life. Yeah. Um, it should be like going to the doctor and getting your annual checkup. It should mm-hmm. be like taking your car in and getting your oil changed. And I think it's going to be very unique and specific to everyone um, right. because some people are going to want to start their own business or save for college or mm-hmm. save for elder care or, you know, more private topics include 
figuring out how to plan for IVF or adoption or surrogacy. So those are right. all important right. topics that you know financial planning is important for. Right. Um, in terms of, do I have a financial planner? I think right now I'm kind of navigating my own path. Right. Um, well, I think you're qualified. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I have a lot of great yeah. resources, which is really right. nice. But I, I do highly recommend that you know, most people have a financial planner because you have a doctor to go, you know, get your health, you know, checked out, right. taken care of. When it comes to your car, you go to a mechanic. When it comes to your finances, it's definitely helpful to have an expert come mm -hmm. in and provide you guidance because right. it is such a huge and important component of your life. Right, right. Well, thank you. Um, I think that's all I have okay. uh, for Gory today, and I appreciate your time. Um, as you and I talked about, this is part one of a part two. Uh, we're going to go into an economic update in our part two series of uh, this interview with Gory, and uh, where she's just going to take away all of the, uh, you know, what's been going on last year, transitioning into this year. And uh, I will ask some questions that, you know, clients have been interested about mm -hmm. too and, and what it, what do this means for my portfolio etc so thank you Gory for part one and um, yeah thank you I'm looking forward to part two yeah all right <laughs> thank you have a good one